And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're watching here, we're watching here... This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, he is the Ken to my Alan, Perry Seibert. <laughs> Alan's the much better part <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> Michael Sarah just knocking it out of the oh, car. Such just a vibe. Michael staring it up all over the place, and it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, how are you doing, Perry? I'm good. I have survived Barbenheimer weekend. Chris, how about you? I have too. I have uh, I have re- returned unscathed. My uh, <laughs> my pink polo is uh, you know washing the ash off that. But uh, no, I survived Barbenheimer weekend. You are sitting at your remote laboratory in Los Alamos. I am in my Mojo Dojo casa house, and <laughs> we are going to talk about Barbenheimer. I'm really excited about this. Uh, it's all anyone's talking about, even my friends who don't go to movies are talking about this uh, this weekend, which is really cool. We're going to get there. But as we always do, Perry, what have you been watching? Uh, I have been uh, deep into the Criterion Collection set uh, on the Criterion channel about method acting. If you have not gone through this, it's really wonderful. Uh, There are titles I have not seen before, titles I'm very familiar with. Uh, And even if you don't watch any of them, there is a special over hour long conversation between I'm going to blank on the name of the journalist that wrote the book. There's a guy that wrote a book about the history of method acting Hmm. uh, in America, along with uh, Ethan Hawke and Vincent D'Onofrio. And for my money, Vincent D'Onofrio is as articulate an instructor and teacher and historian about this topic as anybody on the planet. I don't know if you've ever watched him talk about acting and talk about teaching acting. He's, I've always loved him as an actor and he is fabulous in this capacity. And um, it is, it is a chance to remember why I really dislike Ethan Hawke, who I don't know knows when to shut up. (laughs) Uh, Then I granted full irony coming from me. I grant, (laughs) uh, but that's, it's, it's a really good conversation and a bunch of the movies are really worth seeing uh particularly if you've never seen it the goddess a film starring kim stanley who just gives a ferociously amazing uh late 50s methody performance as a uh a young woman with a very troubled past who becomes a hollywood star it's a really good it's a really great performance and all the movies in there wonderful to choose from chris it's uh to check it out check it out while it's still there you know, I realized I had let my Criterion Channel subscription lapse, uh, <sighs> and then you texted me to remi- to tell me that uh, California Split is on there. Yes, uh, it is. You know, because one day we're going to get back to Altman. Um, and so I went in and I re-added my Criterion Channel subscription. I have not watched anything on it yet, but there's, man, this <laughs> month, it was a good month to do it because they have their whole AI thing. This yes. one too, um, which actually features AI, a movie I, I like quite a bit, but also uh, after Yang, one of my top three or four movies of last year is on there. And if you haven't seen that, that is a fantastic movie. I need to do that. I need it's to very do that. good. Definitely. Very good. Uh, what have well, you my... been watching, Chris? Yeah, well, I thought I was going to talk about Asteroid City, which I did finally get around to seeing. Um, but I don't know that my thoughts, thoughts are fully formed on Asteroid City yet, except that I really liked it. Um, I really lo- there's I, I was hitting a moment where I did not quite get it. I was kind of feeling like it was up its own ass a little bit and it was just keeping me at arm's length. And then there's that scene between Adrian Brody and um, I'm blanking Jason, Jason Schwartzman. Schwartzman, Jason Schwartzman. And the entire movie clicked into place for me. And, and I, yeah. I loved it. Uh, it it's really good. Um, I'm going to go a little less uh, art house, though. I saw Mission Impossible colon. No, I'm sorry. I got that wrong. Mission, colon, impossible, dash, dead reckoning, colon, part one. Appendix, lower intestine. Asterisk. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of the Mission Impossible movies. I cannot believe it's still going on 30 years later. Um, <laughs> I, I, they, it's the rare franchise where I actually think they, they've hit a point where they keep, well, they kept getting better and better, I think. Bringing Chris McQuarrie in was a masterstroke. I think as soon as he started working with that script on Ghost Protocol, it found itself. And it also found 
We know who Ethan Hunt is. He's Tom Cruise. And we can just <laughs> we can just put Tom Cruise in situations where he might die and people will come watch it. Um, and I, I've really liked. But will they? Well, will they? Well, yeah. Um, I've liked all the Macquarie films. I think they are the best of the franchise. I think Dead Reckoning is the weakest of the Macquarie films. Um, but it's still, you know, it's a bad, good Mission Impossible movie, if that makes sense. Um, is that because it's part one? It might be. I think a better thing is this is where Chris McQuarrie's, um writing habits caught up with him a little bit. Because he famously does not write a straight script for these movies. He starts with stunt pieces yep, and then fills in the plots. And you know what? The last few movies... I wouldn't have known that. Like they are, they they're focused. They're good. They move fast. I know this one. They had a lot of monkeys thrown into the wrench uh, because of COVID, so they started and stopped. And you can feel when there's not an action scene going on, it's kind of trying to figure out. Well, what do we do next? And uh, feels a little the the plot's a little messier than you usually get, and it's it's a little overlong. But um, I will say, it's still a mission impossible movie and i still enjoy those and i think uh there's a car chase through rome and i kind of groaned because it's ethan hunt i want to say ethan hawk it's uh it's hard not to i know it's ethan hunt in a tiny car and i'm like oh my gosh i just saw a car chase through rome in fast x that uses most of the same locations for this sure i just saw a car chase with a tiny car in indiana jones and the dial of destiny Yes, indeed. But you know what? It works here. It is. They they find a little wrinkle to put in. It's amazing how much you can gain from making a movie that looks like it was actually filmed in a place with yes. real people. Uh, and I enjoyed that quite a bit. There is a 40-minute end sequence on a train that is wonderful and a ton of fun. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's it, it's emptier than the other ones. It's not as focused, but I I quite enjoyed it. It's it's fun. Um, more people should be going to see it. Okay. <laughs> so, well, you know, okay. here's the thing. I don't think it's that more people should be going to see it. Maybe it shouldn't have cost as much as it did. Yeah, that's, um, that's, an, that's because a, these that's these movies don't historically make a ton of money. These are not. You know, Top Gun Maverick is an outlier in Tom Cruise's career, right? Like he makes steady money with these movies, but they're never giant Marvel blockbusters. I think um, they are worldwide though. That's the, they thing. might he be, a, they might he be. He's a worldwide movie star, but, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I wish the narrative was not that it was being beaten by the QAnon movie, but what are you going to do? <laughs> so that's mission impossible. Dead reckoning part one. It is in theaters right now. Perry, let's talk about some movies that actually did make some money, a little bit of money this weekend. A little bit, of, just some scratch. A little, a little bit. bit. Walking around money. That's all. This this was the weekend of Barbie Heimer. Uh, you had Greta Gerwig's Mattel film and Chris Nolan's big bomb, but this time a good thing, uh, opening in theaters. And well, kind of. Kind of we'll, we'll talk about that. Financially a good thing. Then at the bomb, that's the whole point of the movie. But yes, yes, I'm with you. Yes. <laughs> They opened pretty big, um, you know, Barbie, $160 million, biggest weekend of the year, beating out Mario, um, biggest opening ever for a female director, good on Greta Gerwig, uh, Oppenheimer, three-hour R-rated movie, still manages to make $80 million. That's great. Um, I think we both only paid for one of them, right? Yes, we only paid for one of them. <laughs> because we cool. had a rare thing. We had actually a rare thing. I don't know if this has ever happened. We sat right next to each other at the press screening. We did. We did. We had a very good time. We caught up on uh, Indiana Jones and then noticed people were not talking about it here. And yes, we got, we got to immediately give each other, uh, we got to feel each other out just a little bit at the very end of Oppenheimer. And now we've been sitting on it for a week and uh, we're ready to come back with our thoughts. So I want to open this up to you this way. While okay. we were sitting there in our screening, there was a gentleman behind us who was very excited about the movie. <laughs> And uh, he made a comment that I may not agree with, uh, which is that Christopher Nolan has never made a bad movie. Um, We've both seen The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Yes, yes, we have. So my thought is, Harry, 
from your perspective, I know we're both hot and cold on Nolan's films. We, you know, I don't think either of us are fanboys of him, but we we like some of his stuff. What did you think of Oppenheimer? Is it a good movie or a bad movie from Chris Nolan? So I was thinking about this and getting involved in far too many discussions about this online with people over the last week. And I realized that uh, he's only made one great film to me, and that's Memento. There's there's a, not another great Nolan film to me. And then they're like in tears. There's a tear just behind that. Uh, that's it's not quite great. Very good. Uh, where I put like in no particular order – the prestige uh 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 they all start with i <laughs> inception inception uh and uh this easily goes there dark knight goes there and oppenheimer very easily goes in here and oppenheimer is arguably the best of all of those so i think it's a very good piece of work um i didn't i, I the more i talk about the film the more i like it <laughs> Okay. For what that's worth sure. I, I or at least the more i respect it uh and not that i disrespected it coming out of it but i i i i stumbled across a line from uh i'm a big fan of david edelstein i miss david edelstein as a critic i think david, david edelstein was a superb critic um and was drummed out for a joke that i don't think he should have been drummed out for quite frankly uh, but i will now get off my soapbox to say <laughs> that i was reading he he did not care for oppenheimer uh, because he does not care for Nolan. And there was a very good discussion about this with a bunch of people on his Facebook page. And he quoted, and I am ashamed I cannot remember the critic he quoted, but he said, I am reminded of what this critic wrote about Bob Fosse, which is he manages to make his artistic limitations look like bold choices. <laughs> and I think that that is an absolute nail for me on Christopher Nolan. Like Nothing could describe Christopher Nolan better than that sentence. <laughs> Um, and so, yes, I, I wish this film showed some growth. I don't want to say maturity because like that, that's a loaded word, but growth from him as an artist, he does not, he's not, he's not grown as a director in any capacity since, since the prestige. That's the last time I saw him really try something that I don't think he knew how to do it and was figuring it out. And it was interesting to watch him do that. Um, he's so clinical. And he's clinical to the point that this film is, uh, uh, you know, absolutely a pleasure to look at and a pleasure to watch and never not interesting. But at the same time, he wants to wrestle with this big human theme about Robert Oppenheimer figuring out this is not good. What has happened here? Uh, and I don't I don't feel any humanity out of Christopher Nolan. I don't think he's interested in people. <laughs> I think he's figured out how to fake it so that his movies feel like they have some emotional dimension that they don't really have. Um, and again, I, I am, I am, I am only saying this in the sense that I don't think this is a masterpiece. I don't think this is a brilliant motion picture. I don't think this sets the world on fire. <laughs> Do I think it's very good? Yes. Do I think it's very good? Yes. Am I happy it did this well at the box office? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm glad that a a film with genuine historical import that is basically Oscar bait. I mean, that's what it is. Oh, yeah. And I don't use that term pejoratively. Oscar bait can be really good. There's not this is this, but it's designed to win awards. That's what it's designed to do. Um, and it's made very much to his taste. I don't. I I think this is exactly the film no one wanted to make. I think there are major things we could nitpick about it on. I still wish he liked people better, especially women. Um, we'll get there. We'll but is, get there. It, is it very good? Yeah, it's it's very good, Chris. I've talked for so long. Tell me, tell me where yeah. you are after a week of thinking about it. It's funny. I think, I think when the movie, uh, when the movie ended, I was a little more reserved in, in what I thought about it. Um, I, I have issues with it, and at the time, you know, after sitting for three hours of a movie where I felt the last hour was about 30 minutes too long, they were probably nagging at me a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I, I kept coming back and thinking about it. I, you know, I wrestled with it in my review. I think I'm kind of in the same place as you. Uh, I think it's really good. Like, I don't regret seeing it. I would tell people, go see it. It is, you know, I, I think it is fascinating that a three-hour movie that is largely conversations in classrooms and courtrooms about <laughs> about you know quantum physics and political ideology 
that open to $80 million. That's that's crazy to me. But you know what? I understand it. Because the thing about this movie is there is there is a version of this movie that is the most boring thing ever, right? There is a oh, yes. A to B, you know, life story of Oppenheimer that just drags. And I think Nolan does what he often does, um, which is to fracture the timeline. And the re- the way that works out in this is it makes a movie that is like it's almost exhaustingly paced. Like I was very tired at the end of three hours of this because it moves fast. Like it, it and the the scenes are bouncing off each other. I I don't know if the reason for transitioning to one scene or another always works or one time frame to another always makes sense, but it holds your attention and I think it does wrestle with a lot of these ideas of guilt and how a little thing from our past can come back and bite us, you know, years down the road, which he's fascinated about here. It's chain reactions. It's, you know, the chain reaction of the atomic bomb, but also the chain reaction of this guy you talked to at a party is now the reason your career is destroyed, right? Um, That stuff all works really well for me. I think the emotional side of him grappling with the implications of what he's done, I'm kind of like you in that I don't feel them. But I right. think that's a little more intentional here is he he held them so close to the vest. And when it focuses on the fact that he kept silent and you can kind of feel Killian Murphy just, you know, twitching a little bit because he's trying to hold back this guilt. I think that's a very effective performance. I think when he goes bigger and wants you to feel the weight of he's imagining people's skin being fried off and stuff, it's a little over the top there, but. I think overall, I like it. I wish the last hour was a little bit shorter. Like you, I think we can talk about the women in just a minute, but they are non-characters <laughs> here. They are non-characters here. But yes. overall, I did like it. It is, it's funny. Someone was telling me, well, I feel like it might be a departure for Nolan because, you know, it's not a sci-fi movie or anything. I'm like, no, this this might be the no, most Chris Nolan movie ever made. It's uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's not just that it's the fractured timeline, which a lot of people do that, and I think he does it better than most people. Uh, it is the protagonist who's haunted by the death of a woman. Um, Florence Pugh's character is basically the same character that uh, Marion Cotillard played in Inception. Um, it's him playing less with, evil, but yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no more deep, but um, no, but uh, you know, it's him wrestling with, you know, really heady concepts of physics and reality. Uh, I thought the way it juxtaposed, you know, Oppenheimer's obsession with science, but also his interest in art is really fascinating. And I, I, I wonder what that says about Christopher Nolan. It felt, you know, this, it feels like he's interested in this guy who, wants complete control and you know is fascinated by something that could be the undoing of the world i mean the creator of batman might have some, you know the batman movies might have something to say about that um but no yeah. i quite i quite liked it i think there are flaws they kind of stick at me not enough to ruin it it's it's one of my I, I still think it's it's in my top 10 of a very small top 10 this year but uh you know i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it quite a bit i I will I will be surprised if this ends up in my top five and I will be uh, not surprised at all if it doesn't end up in my top ten. <laughs> I, I think that's – especially living with it for six months, that's my guess. There's I, a lot of year knowing left. What, knowing what's coming. Right. I think that – I think I won't – maybe just out of sheer peak – like, no, I'm not going to leave this on my list. I don't I, – I understand why anybody would. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad movie. At, my reservations on it are simply the reservations I always have with Nolan. I don't think it is anything beyond the pale. I don't even think the last hour is the problem as much as the length of the first two hours. I think that's where I'd pull from, and I think I would just ask somebody else to direct some of the last hour of it so I could feel some of it. But Nolan doesn't feel. He is – and that, that's the thing with me with Nolan is I, he's not even cerebral. He's just clinical. I get no – there's no feeling out of him at all. <laughs> that's, that's the great problem with Dunkirk. That's the great problem with uh, almost all of his movies. 
except for Memento, which is about someone who's trying to feel and at the end sets themselves up so they don't have to feel. Which is why it's the best movie he's ever going to make. <laughs> well, and I think it's why I, I, I think it's why all the scenes of, you know, discussions about physics or the moral implications of dropping the atomic bomb or, you know, discussions about, you know, the communists he associated with. That, to me, is the most interesting stuff in the movie. It's when yes. he's when he's dealing with the women in his life or they want us to really feel the weight of the guilt that he's holding back, then it doesn't always connect. I see the point he's making and I don't yes. hate it, but it just doesn't, I don't buy that. Yeah. I understand how they are linked in your head and why you are doing this. You haven't persuaded me for a moment that you really care about this as yeah. much as you care about him getting to watch that bomb go off. <laughs> You care about that so much more. <laughs> See, now, so actually, more. and when it got to the part of the bomb going off, I, I think in my review, I called it subdued. And that's that's wrong because, um, you know, it's the dropping of an atomic bomb. It's not subdued, but it's not played for a big event moment like I thought, though. It, it's it's actually terrifying and kind of beautiful how it pulls off. I think it's actually a really well done sequence. But that's why everyone's in the theater at that point. Yes. And then the problem is he doesn't want to follow through on any of that in terms of what it costs human lives. That section of the film is neither terrifying nor beautiful. So it's like, so what? That's what you wanted. You wanted what you did. And you aren't the right director to tell the other half of this story, sadly. But it's still really good. It's good. It is. There's a and better movie there. That's all I'm saying. It's a very good Christopher Nolan movie. I, I think it's a very good movie. I'm glad, like I said, I'm so glad this is getting people in the theaters. I, I think right. if you're going on technique, it is one of the best movies of the year. It's just, there's not that special sauce, right? Like to, to kind of give me goosebumps or whatever. But I think like Killian Murphy is fantastic in this. I, I think it's a yes, great performance. Very good. And, yeah. And I like him a lot, but I think this might be one of the best performances he's given. It's really great to see Robert Downey Jr. Give a shit. <laughs> like yes like like actually he has to show up and actually put on clothes for this they can't cgi his clothes on for this uh <laughs> but it, but he's also it's you can feel him sometimes also holding back the uh you know the smarminess that i think he uses as a crutch sometimes um and he's just more clipped and i think that makes him a really interesting villain um yeah since the character is still very smarmy yeah, <laughs> just, it's just a very educated, cerebral smarmy. Yeah, I don't know when Matt Damon became like the comedic addition you add to your movies, but it works for me. Anytime. Uh, I, I, I Anytime. love it. Um, there is one performance that doesn't work for me, and I'm pretty sure it doesn't work for you either, because I think we talked about it. Uh, there's a certain actor who is spends most of the movie with not oh. saying a single <laughs> word. <laughs> Rami Malek. Rami Malek spends most of the movie silent as if he's supposed to be completely innocuous. And uh, you don't hire Rami Malek to be innocuous because he's not. Uh, And so you're just waiting for, well, what's his role in this? And when he hits that, yeah, I get that. It's it's the second bomb that drops. Yes. Uh, Yeah, this, this is the movie, you know, Nolan has the ego and the clout to get three Best Actor Oscar winners in his cast. And between them, I think a total of six scenes in the movie. Uh, And one of them I ad- adored the most, and the other one I liked a whole lot. And then there was Rami Malek. <laughs> That's usually how I feel about Rami Malek. Yeah, not a fan. Just not a fan. I know you aren't either, but no. Yeah. Just not a fan. There's one of the more undeserved Oscars in the last 10 years. Yes. Uh, we had the we had the treat of being able to see this in 70 millimeter, which I quite enjoyed. It's a very beautiful looking movie. Uh, I, I'm, I'm all in for the black and white. I'm not sure why it needed to be in black and white. I don't know that it actually does anything other than lets him show off in black and white for a bit. But <laughs> technically, I don't know that it means anything. I, I don't understand. I don't understand the decision, especially since it's not always past and present some some sequences are shown both in black and white and in color i don't understand what the difference is really i i mean i could maybe if i saw it again i would have a clear understanding but I picked up on that um it, it's the scenes the only scenes in black and white i believe are the ones that have to do with uh robert downey jr's 
what is it, his uh, confirmation hearings, right? The, everything surrounding him. But if that scene is told from Robert Downey Jr.'s character's perspective, it's black and white. If it's told from Oppenheimer's perspective, it's in color. That could and be. I don't quite understand why, because it gets really confusing later in the movie when there's another time frame just before that where Oppenheimer's being uh, questioned by it's Jason sec- Clark. Security clearance stuff, yes. Yeah, and I kept getting that time. Like, there was a period where I thought, oh, this is happening parallel to the Robert Downey Jr. stuff. And then I'm like, oh, no, this is a few years older, earlier. Yes, and I will absolutely... Uh, I like Jason Clark a lot. Yep. That's the weakest performance in the movie. <laughs> that oh, is, he just does that Jason Clark's thing. That is, a, that is a mustache twirling villain, and that's boring, <laughs> especially at that point in the movie. In, in, a, in a section of the movie that needs some life, because I don't know why they decided to make a movie with Killian Murphy and then not have him talk for 45 minutes of the last <laughs> hour of the movie. I missed Killian Murphy in his own movie, it's, which is not a knock on Killian Murphy. That's a knock on the movie. Let's be clear. I, I but think, it's very good. I keep ripping it. It is. It's very good. I, I, it's just like, I, it's this whole, I want people to calm down. Yeah, it's, it's not the end all and be all. It's very good. It's also the things that are good are the things I expected to be good in a Christopher Nolan movie. It is technically very good. He's always technically very good. He's a very interesting visual filmmaker. I like the way he plays with time. I think it is very refreshing that I could hear the dialogue through most of this movie. Yes. Um, But the flaws, uh, to me, they're interesting because... I, I do think this is a movie that wants to be great and people want to be great. And I'm like, well, but maybe you shouldn't have spent. I, I do have issues with the last hour because I think it just goes on too long because I feel like they're building that they, they want to build to this big reveal that the scientists have turned on Robert Downey Jr. And also that his character was the one behind the whole thing. Like they treat that as a big reveal that he was the one feeding all this information to the FBI. But because they're building up to this for like 45 minutes, we get there way before. Like, poor Alden Ehrenreich is like, by the time he puts it together, we're like, yeah, welcome to the party. We, we guessed this like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> and I like Alden Ehrenreich. Um, A lot. It, it, yes. Yeah, I, I felt like that was the whiff. But really, for me, the, the thing that that really holds it back is the women like. I, I don't think Florence Pugh has a character aside from she's emotionally volatile. And that's not fair to Florence Pugh, who's a very good actress. And it kind of feels icky that she has very little character and she has to play half of that time, probably more than half of her screen time, naked. Like, I just, that's the, that's the only personality she has is she's emotional volatile and doesn't wear clothes see and for me she's the only one who breaks is able to even a little bit break through nolan's clinical clinicalism clinicalistic nature i don't know how to phrase it uh, you know those especially their early scenes i'm like oh thank you okay and i really like florence i think florence Pugh is remarkably talented we're going to talk more about florence Pugh in the second half of this show by the way uh i think she's fantastic uh always um and i think that she may have pushed nolan in a way he's not been pushed before on screen she's not icy and no uh, marianne cotillard is icy in inception <laughs> he, he does not have any use for warm women he doesn't have use for warmth i don't even want to make it about women i don't like i said i don't, it's not that there are directors who are genuinely afraid of women who have real issues with women. I don't think he's even a misogynist. I think he doesn't care about people. And again, I don't think he hates people. I think he's not interested. It's not even that he doesn't like people. I think Nolan isn't interested in people. I think he's interested in systems and in people who have gotten themselves to a point where they no longer feel things. I think he's interested in how he can make that cinematic. And I think that's because he knows how to play to his strengths. I had someone ask me, they, they were very concerned about the sex scenes in the movie. And they're like, well, you know, how much sex is in it? And I'm like, well, I mean, there's there's a lot of nudity. It's just as sexless as all of Christopher Nolan's movies tend to be. Yes, but, uh, yes it, exactly. 
but you know who is really cold in this movie is Emily Blunt's character, <laughs> who has three personality traits. She hates her kids, isn't too <laughs> fond of her husband, but loves her liquor. That's her character. <laughs> yeah. And Emily Blunt yeah. is an actress I quite like. And uh, a lot. Huge Emily Blunt fan. Yeah. And it's it's it is a fine performance of a character that the director and writer isn't interested in <laughs> other than how she affects the man. That's it. That's yeah. that's what's going on with both of those characters. Now it's I was a character as well. I will say one of the things that I really liked about this, and I think it's why I don't have as many of the problems with uh, the emotional fallout in this. I, I do think it's really effective how they focus on Oppenheimer not wanting to react to any of this. So there is a sequence where there's a slideshow being shown of all the devastation of the bomb. And we don't see any of that. And the camera focuses on Killian Murphy as he just, he refuses to look at the screen. Yeah. And I thought that was very effective. I was talking to someone else who was also not sure why they didn't show any footage of the bomb actually being dropped on Japan. And like, because the whole point of this is he's trying to tell himself once it's out of his hands, it doesn't matter. He, you know, he, he made the bomb, the U S army will do it. He's not responsible for that. And the whole back half is kind of this. How much is he keeping that at bay? I don't know if I buy any of his like big breakdowns that he has, uh, which aren't really helped by the fact that I think the film visually goes crazy in those moments. Uh, right. But, um, but I think it is interesting how they play with that idea of how he tried to deflect the uh, tried to deflect any blame he was feeling. And, yes. you know, there, there's the whole focus on he says several times, you know, theory is one thing, practice is another. And this bomb was developed as theory. It's people talking. It's, you know, figuring stuff out like it's almost a game. And then after a while, it no, it's real. It's in the real world. What are you? What's your responsibility to that? And I thought that yes. very interesting. I thought the final scene of the movie was very sobering. Uh, that final shot really, I, I, I don't know. It, it really got under my skin. Like when you think about the world we live in, and you could yes. turn on the radio, and and the ramifications of everything you saw in this movie are still very real. Yes, it's it's very good, as we have been saying. It is. It is a very good movie. Um, we are critics. We will nitpick and pull things apart. But uh, no, we will respond to yeah, especially when in response to a reaction that we I think both feel is a tad over the top. Yeah, <laughs> it's a four out of five star movie. That 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 yeah, feels right to me. It, it is very well made. Don't I lose your mind the- over it. I prefer the Ebert four stars, so I would go three and a half. I have a hard time with five stars. So, that yes, it's three and a half out of four. Yeah, Letterbox and the site I write for both do five stars. So. I understand. Yeah, I just but, have a hard time with that. Yep. Is there <laughs> anything else to say about Oppenheimer? I mean, oh, we're already I'm sure in... there will be, but not right now. End of the year. When it when it's nominated for exactly. Oscars, we'll we'll pick that part again. Exactly. Um, but you know, we we've discussed the really heavy stuff. Let's have some dessert here. Uh <laughs> I think we both saw Barbie on Sunday, right? At near, pretty near each other, without real uh, close time wise, I believe. Probably, I saw mine very early. I, I'll just say, like we were having, so we're we're we were very involved at the church we were at, and we had some circumstances this week that made us realize, I, uh, you know, the evangelical church, if this is a surprise to anyone, has issues with women. Um, so, no. Yeah. Yeah. I know. No. So I very, very purposely went to go see Barbie at 1030 when everyone would be at church because it, it felt cathartic. And uh, so I saw an early morning movie. Um, I don't usually like to go to the movies that early, but oh, it was nice. I do. I do. It, it, me. it was Regardless, very nice. So you take your daughter. No, you know, that was the other reason I went was, uh, you know, it's very weird that there's a Barbie movie that I couldn't take her to see, like, just trusting that it would be okay for her. It's a BG-13 Barbie movie. She's seven years old. Um, And I still go back and forth. I think everything in this movie would go over her head, and she would just love the colors and everything. But I also think she might just be kind of bored by it. Um, it, It's not a kid's movie. It is not a kid's movie at all. So let's talk about that. What was your reaction to Barbie, Perry? Uh, For a 
about an hour, I thought this is one of the most blazingly original pieces of work I've seen in a long time. Uh, I was very much enjoying it. I enjoyed the fun Greta Gerwig wanted to have and the great feelings of anger and frustration that are at the core of it all. Um, and I think it's so blazingly original that it, it like there, there, the wind goes out of the sails for me in the back half hour of this movie in a big way, just within this terms of my sheer wanting to pay attention and feeling very much with it. And I think it comes down to the fact that she's made, you know, if I complain that the film isn't perfect, I don't think we know what a perfect film like this is supposed to look like. This is a really, truly, startlingly, startlingly original piece of work. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I think the last half hour is bad. I just think that it is a film. The film I kept thinking about during it was Don't Worry, Darling. So I had Florence Pugh on the mind okay. a lot. Which is a movie that Flor Don't Worry, Darling is by no objective measure a good movie. Like it fails – it's as a piece of story craft it fails as a piece of 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 whatever you want to put on it that a a good story and a good film is supposed to be what it is is a very very felt scream of rage at the patriarchy so i really i kind of like don't worry darling even mm -hmm. though it's a bad movie i think it's a piece of art i think it's a very i think it's a really good movie and very interesting for all of those reasons Barbie is that and is also really funny for an hour. And then for me, because she has taken it out of needing to tell a real story of any kind, she has managed to put you in the first 10 minutes. You're not in a world where there's a story you're following. This is all parable. This is all fantasy. This is all big ideas, right? So there's no narrative thrust. I don't, I don't, I don't care about Barbie as a character. I'm interested in Barbie as the idea that you have set her up to be, but I'm not interested as a character. And so I don't know what you do with the last 30 minutes of that movie. Um, that isn't, I have now solved exactly what could happen so that the patriarchy can end and men and women can live together in happiness. And that's not what any piece of art should be asked to do. And I don't think that's what she's saying she's going to do. So it's a frustration of I don't know for sure what the last 30 minutes of this movie is other than setting up a fantastic final joke. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. OK. We'll but that said, this is glorious to look at. I would take you to I got to believe this movie just fun to look at if you're seven years old. Oh, it's yeah. A glorious yeah. looking movie. Uh, Rodrigo Prieto, arguably the finest living cinematographer. One of three people you could answer if I asked you who the finest living cinematographer is and I won't hit you because it's the correct it's one of the correct answers um this movie looks amazing yeah. this is brilliantly acted she knows exactly the tone she wants except for will ferrell this is brilliantly acted and i don't want to blame will ferrell for the acting no, i will do there. but we'll i get don't there. um this leads to my other major problem with the movie which i think we're going to get to later because i think i've talked too much chris <laughs> <laughs> what was your journey with barbie it's really good i, I feel like i'm going to say that because we're going to have flaws and people are going to see us nitpicking the flaws but i i actually think i like this better than oppenheimer and it might just oh, yeah. be because i enjoyed my time with this so much it is such i i it is the funniest movie i've seen in a long time like i laughed very hard uh throughout most of this movie i i loved this um i was worried though because i did not want another brand movie like you know, it, it, we can say the box office is, you know, that Barbie saved the box office. On the one hand, it's still IP. It's, you know, yep. just like just like Mario is still IP. And I think there are some areas where you can feel Mattel holding them back just a little bit. But I'm amazed at what they do get away with in this um, because it feels the best movie I can compare it to is the movie with the second best uh, opening this year. It's Super Mario Brothers, which if I tell you there's a movie about Super Mario Brothers, if you've played those games, you have in your head the movie you want to see or the movie you've, you've you know, you know what Mario Brothers is if they're going to hit it right down the middle. And that is what that movie is. It is 
Super Mario Brothers, they look like you think, they talk like you think, the movie does what you think. I don't even hate it. it it's perfectly enjoyable, but it's exactly what you think because it is brand management. Yes. I felt like Barbie actually is brand interrogation in some parts. Like, let's look at this. What what does this doll mean? What does what what's been the effect of it on popular culture for good and bad, which is something a big corporation you don't really expect them to let you get away with. Um and I thought that was interesting how like they've said it's for the people who like Barbie, the people who hate Barbie. And I think they do a good job of exploring what's good about Barbie, what maybe some bad ramifications have been, what are some really weird choices they've made with that toy, Alan. Um, you know, <laughs> and, and I think that's fascinating. And the the jokes are very funny. They're on point. Like you said, it's a very angry movie. Um, my daughter, I don't know if I would let her see this right now, but I want her to see this. Uh, you know, I want there to be a point where she sees this movie because it is in her corner. Um, I really liked it. Yeah, it's it's very funny. Like you said, great to look at. Uh, I, I I wanted my own dream house or my own Mojo Dojo Casa house. Um, <laughs> we'll get to the performances in a bit. I, I thought it was very edgy, very funny. Um, and it was angry and hit me at the right time that I needed that anger to uh kind of be cathartic. I want an I am Kenneth hoodie, rainbow hoodie, <laughs> more than anything on the planet. That's yeah. that is that is great. So good. Yeah, it's it's a really hard film to talk about, and in a good way, it is a film that is a film. You'd have to make a film to respond to it. Yeah, um, it's very weird. It is. I, I, I agree. That is my my biggest concern is that it wants to investigate all of this, and yet seems to want to not really deal with the idea of capitalism <laughs> it's it's fine talking about gender mm-hmm. and it's fine talking about patriarchy and it's beyond fine it's really good on all of that stuff but yes it does feel like it, it doesn't want to deal with the other thing it really needs to deal with if it's going to lean so hard into giving us mattel executives as a character in the movie yeah and by the way characters that don't go anywhere like no. there's no reason for any of that by the end. Like I said, it's not a story. And so if you're not going to give me a story, if you're going to investigate ideas and you're going to give me that much Mattel, well, you're asking me that you have to at least address this, this gorilla in the room that you're not addressing and just making fun of Barbie products over the years that seem really stupid and are really stupid. Isn't enough of an interrogation for what you're doing with everything else in the movie. Well, there and that's where you feel where I felt like Mattel saying, "Okay, you you can make fun of our dolls, don't make fun of our bosses, uh, or, or don't make fun of them too much." Oh, really? Oh, I think I think they make way more fun of the bosses than they do of well, the dolls. But I think it's this: there's no real, there's no teeth for how they hit the bo- the bosses, right? Like they are just stupid executives, and you get Will Ferrell who can play lovably stupid really well. And so they have him play lovably stupid. And instead of interrogating the fact that, oh, it's an all male executive board at this company that makes this doll that's supposed to be a figure yes. of female empowerment. Well, wh- why are they evil? Are they manipulative? No, they're just stupid. And you, you know, you can laugh at yourself with stupidity because it's so cartoony. I feel like Will Ferrell. Instead of Will Ferrell, they should have had like a Bob Odenkirk in that role could have yes. played the manipulative and smarmy and talking down. Whereas Will Ferrell's just stupid and cuddly and. Or leave them out of that last half hour. Yeah, because, you know, you could also joke, do if they're done. At the, once once they're once you're out of the boardroom, they are unnecessary. Yep. They, they they provide nothing in the back half hour of this movie. And no, what they are a lot of it. <laughs> yeah and what they do is because they're in so much of this two-hour movie america ferrara's character i feel there is a half hour with her character that was cut out somewhere did mm-hmm. there are there are jokes about her husband that i feel are supposed to have more context and instead they're just gags that don't really make sense 
and and I feel like that character we needed to be introduced to earlier than she comes into the movie um, for her to be the emotional linchpin of that. America Ferrara is very good in this. Very good. As but, uh, is everybody. Oh my as gosh, is, yeah. Let's be real clear. As is Margot Robbie, as is Ryan Gosling, as is Michael Sarah, as is uh, 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 Issa Rae, who I've never liked as much. I, and I and I like I, I like her. I like Issa Rae, but I've never liked her this much in anything. Uh, Simu Liu? There's, I have not. There's really good stuff uh, throughout it. And it's, you know... I, when I say I think the wind goes out of the sails in the last half hour, that's only to say I think the first hour is utterly brilliant, original, and funny, and sharp, and a pleasure to look at. And the last half hour is just a little less of all of that except pleasure to look at. <laughs> I don't know where this goes. It feels I, – I am tempted to blame Noah Baumbach is who I'm tempted to blame, quite frankly. <laughs> I I feel like I, I'm a little more forgiving of the last half hour because so much of it is devoted to that big sing-along of Push, uh, which, which made me laugh. And I have not stopped thinking about how Ryan Gosling pronounces granted when he's singing that song. Granted. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I, I laughed so hard through that. Um, See, I, yeah. And that didn't – I was – I thought it was – overdone <laughs> like i was done by that but you you st- you made this point already and boy i loathe that song the first time i heard it so i don't need to go through this again <laughs> i was happy to hear the indigo girl song over and over always happy to hear always always happy to hear closer to fine um and again yeah then the whole war like it's it, the the parable stops working because it was never a parable to begin with it was an excuse to talk about it was a clothesline on which you could hang a lot of big ideas and a lot of really angry jokes uh, that are all really effective and really work well. And I have such goodwill towards it. I don't mind. Like I don't think I don't think it falls apart. I just think it's not as good. And that's okay in a film that, if I can use the the, method, the exact twist the phrase I used before, I will be shocked if this isn't in my top ten at the end of the year. I'll, I'll I'll see a better film this year. I already have seen a better film this year, but I won't see ten better films than the Barbie movie. It, yeah, it, it, it won't. For all of my reservations about it, and they are real. Oh, what a what a what a glaring piece of originality! And that doesn't happen much. Uh, uh, Hollywood doesn't allow that to happen often. What what I thought was fascinating that kept surprising me was just I, I I went in expecting all the jokes about the patriarchy because I had read a few of the reviews and I had heard people talking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, this is very funny. Oh, wow. It's, it's actually very smart and funny. What I did not expect. I think it's actually also very touching and strangely beautiful when especially when it's dealing with like. Margot Robbie's Bobby Barbie because there are a hundred Barbies in this movie, but with her search for why she exists and her uh, her experiences with becoming human, like I I found that strangely beautiful, uh, especially when she gets the chance to talk to her creator about why she was made and 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 maybe that's the theological side of me just really responding to this movie, but I didn't expect to be moved by this movie. I expected to laugh. I found it very moving in the ending too. Even if I don't understand the science or physics of this world at all. And I think it's, you know, you're not supposed to. Um, I love that. They just kind of wave off that Rhea Perlman is just a ghost who lives on the seventh floor of Mattel and everyone knows about her, but I, I found it very beautiful and touching at the end. I, I did. I, uh, I did not. But that's I didn't I didn't think they were trying for something like that and failed. I just mm-hmm. wasn't. That's not what had interested me to that point in the movie. The only per the only character I'm emotionally engaged with is is uh, America Ferris character. Like that is that's that makes manifest what is just concept to me. Give me then a woman who is actually dealing with the idea of what does it mean for me to grow up having this as a a beacon and a bastion of what I could be. Uh, you know, it, it is one of the things that I think they don't dig deep enough on. If I'm really going to be critical about it is okay. She, Margot Robbie is supposed to be stereotypical Barbie. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an easy way out then to not deal with a lot of racial issues and, and a lot of other things that are sitting there that you could deal with that they 
they just barely address enough that it's not a problem. But if you want to think about it for a second, it's a problem. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you don't, and that's asking a lot and that's too much. They shouldn't have to take that on. That's what the sequel is for. But I do think that it leads to this. Th that's where I get like, then you need to keep this in the world of allegory and not make this that you need to keep the real world out of this in, in practical terms for as long as possible that it gets, that it does such a good job when she is in the real, when Barbie is in the real world is a whole lot better than when they go back to Barbie world. I would agree with that. I think that's <laughs> it's the better a much section. better movie. And that's the, pro that's, that's the problem. Like, I don't know what I don't, if if I'm to take the movie at what it gives me, the happy ending is that men achieve in Barbie world what women have in the real world. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like what I've been watching for the first hour of the movie. Like that's that's not the story we're telling. That's not the lesson that we want to give to people, is it? Is that really that doesn't that seems really less than what you've been doing for the first hour of this movie i guess that's my problem it's a little cuddlier than the movie opens like the movie has teeth early on and yeah doesn't doesn't bite as as hard i i still i i loved all that stuff with the mojo dojo casa i just love saying that mojo dojo casa house it's funny uh, but a lot yeah. of it is is less because the movie is so compelling at that moment and ryan gosling is just really funny he is really good at being funny and i i really get offended when people say wow i didn't know ryan gosling was funny and i'm like because you skipped the other guy or the nice guys and uh uh but no he's really good margot robbie just i, I she might be becoming one of my favorite actresses i i mark so I, smart she takes on these roles that are very iconic and always seems to make them work really well like i i don't like any of the dc movies hardly but her Harley Quinn is a ton of fun to watch. I believe um, it. It's really fun. And her Harley Quinn movie is actually one of the better DC movies. It's it's actually pretty good. And I think here she's very, very funny. And still like creates an actual character. I, I thought Barbie came off as a good character who I enjoyed watching, who by the end had had some depth. But I think she's funniest when she can navigate this world that has no logical sense to it drinking you know the the straight face she can have when she's drinking from a cup with nothing in it when she you know it, it's a very weird very funny movie um i'm really glad greta gerwig has a, a nice little hit on her a nice big hit on her hands because i, I really like her as a, as a director I hope that she makes enough money off this that she doesn't have to go through with making the two Narnia movies for Netflix. <laughs> I don't even know if that like that just doesn't even seem a fit for me. Like, why would you want to do that? I, I yeah, it's a very good movie, and I think it's the third best movie she's directed. <laughs> I have I seen Little That's Women. Where I'm at. Have I seen Little Women? It oh, might be. It, and they're all there, you know, it's it, and it's and it's different. It is. It, that is so hard to say. Like, that's 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 a really unfair statement because that just distills everything down to a list. And that's mm -hmm. not what this movie deserves or, or is it. It feels it does not feel like something she's been building to stylistically, but it certainly does thematically. And so yes. I am curious where where does that where does that follow next does she follow the fact that oh i can now create these worlds or is she going to go even deeper and maybe try something that has a whole lot less laughs on it and tries to deal with this stuff even in an even tougher way i don't know and i'm curious and i would much rather see the latter than the former but i don't know what Same. she's gonna do uh, but uh, but that said really happy she's got a giant hit like this yep yeah. Um, here, here's what's weird about this is thinking about the box office this weekend is these are not movies that were guaranteed to be giant. See, I, I can see a world in which I mean, Nolan's going to have a hit. Nolan does well. Barbie is popular IP, but I can see a world in which Nolan's Oppenheimer is just too heady and cerebral to hold on to an audience after a big opening day. And I can see people walking into Barbie going, 
oh, I thought this was going to be fun, carefree Barbie to watch with my daughter, but it's making me, you know, I've already seen people on the other end saying it's too preachy and stuff, but I, I could see both of these movies not connecting because they don't do the straight right down the middle. This is what a big blockbuster hit is supposed to do. And I'm very encouraged that people didn't just go see it and give it a big weekend. They seem to really like these movies and kept going back. And we'll see. I, I don't know how much that's going to. I mean, Barbie had the biggest Monday ever, but I mean, I, that's to be expected after having the biggest weekend ever. <laughs> and Nolan movies hold well. I, I think it's really encouraging that people went to see those movies. I'm a little worried about what's waiting for the next month and a half in the summer. Um, <laughs> I, I don't see people turning out to make Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a giant hit um, or Haunted Mansion or anything. Gran Turismo. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, August is always interesting. August is where, you know, they release stuff that they don't know how to market. And they don't know for sure how it's going to do. Mm-hmm. That's always what August is, which is why August can be very interesting. Uh, and it can be uh, real, real dog days. <laughs> we'll, and we'll yeah. see. And we will see if these films, these two movies take up so much oxygen for the next six weeks that they they hoover up August as well. They might. I don't think Oppenheimer will, but they might. Barbie might. <laughs> well, Oppenheimer's got the IMAX screens for the next three weeks, I think. This is true. Yeah, but there's only so many of those. Although <laughs> I kind of wanted to see Barbie on IMAX. <laughs> I, I, I felt like I did. That that world would have been fun to watch <laughs> I, in IMAX. I might have gone for 3D. <laughs> oh no, that would have been vomit inducing. That would have been too much. <laughs> I don't need that. No, no, I don't need that. <laughs> well, it's. I find it like I find it maybe heartening that the movies that have fallen this summer that have kind of disappointed are by and large not good movies and people seem to be going to see good movies or at least that are getting to good reviews so maybe maybe there's some encouragement there maybe 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 they seem to be disinclined from from franchises until barbie uh, 2 comes out right uh, for now yeah. they yeah. seem disinclined for but and again don't Hollywood forgets how much women can drive box office? They just forget. Mm-hmm. They never learn the lesson. I could not believe how many people I saw at a Sunday two o'clock screening that dressed up like Barbie, <laughs> who I don't think had seen the film yet that weekend. No, they were there to see Oppenheimer. <laughs> that's you can't. That's special. Like that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, that's that is a grand gnawing need that is sitting there in the market that you have not realized is there um and that's really interesting sociologically that's interesting i think barbie has more legs than oppenheimer quite frankly i think oppenheimer is going to be Oppenheimer will be fine but i think i think that barbie movie is a genuine phenomenon and i think it will be very interesting to see if greta gerwig uh, I don't know if she's committed to doing a second one. I don't know if that was part of the deal. I would like to think not. I don't think she does that to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope so. I, I hope she's not. I don't. I don't know what if. If there's a second one, then I start to that. Then 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 I start to worry. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right about Barbie legging it out a little bit more. Uh, it's just it's a much more rewatchable movie. Uh, yes. Definitely. Like, I, I don't know that I want to in, you know, put myself through three hours of Oppenheimer again, because that's exactly not a, not a great time. Good movie. Not, not an enjoyable night out. Um, whereas Barbie, I've already like, I, I'm still debating. Should I take my daughter to see this? Is that how much of this yes. is going to go over her head? And um, I'm glad you also hinted at, I think the last joke in the movie made me laugh harder than anything. It sent me out of the theater laughing harder than anything in a long time. Uh, <laughs> it's so perfectly played. And uh, I, I laughed really good at that. It's it's a very good joke. I don't think it's the best joke in the movie, but it's a very good joke. And it's it made up for the half hour previous for me. <laughs> it's like, okay, you did know what you were doing. You did, you did know where you had to get to with this. Yeah. Is there anything else we have to say about Barbie or Oppenheimer? No, can we spend a few weeks not talking about Oppenheimer and Barbie now? <laughs> we can spend a few weeks not talking about Barbieheimer. Uh, Thank you. It's, it's all Ninja Turtles now. 
That would be more. You know what? <laughs> I see so many trailers in the theater, and that one is like, I don't want to see that, but I'm glad that got made. That's exactly what I'm like. I'm like if you're going to do another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, I'm glad it looks like that and those people are involved. I don't need to see it, but I'm good on you for doing it. You're a little older than me, so you were probably not the Ninja Turtle obsessive I was as a kid. Um, no. Oh, I, I, I was not a Ninja Turtle person. Yeah, I, I was big about. time, and I'm actually uh, taking my kids to see it Saturday at a screening. So I, 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 was I, a, I was a junior in high school when the original movie came out. Okay. So it's, I mean, it's, I, it was there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was the cartoon, the comic book, everything. So, yeah, curious. You get to a certain point though, where you you look back on that, you're like, it's just a really weird concept. But it is. But it hey, is. it's been malleable for thirty thirty years. So let Seth Rogen take a shot at it. That's fine. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> Harry, where can people find you at? You can find me on Facebook. You can hear me every Friday morning on the Lucy and Lance show on WLBY 1290 AM in Ann Arbor. You can also find that show online. You can hear me on occasion at the Cathode Ray Mission Radio Show. Uh, and you can hear me here with Chris every couple of weeks, ideally. Hey, Chris, I believe you read your stuff. Well, I believe you're also on Letterboxd now, correct? I am at Letterboxd. I am at Letterboxd uh, under Perry Loves Film. Welcome to Letterboxd. I love Letterboxd. Thank you. Uh, I am on Letterboxd at Criticisms. So uh, find me there. You can find me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now uh, at Mere Christianity. I'm sometimes there, but it, it you know, I'm losing the light. Uh, but uh, you can find me on Facebook at Criticisms. I'm also on Threads at Criticisms. Or you can subscribe, subscribe to my newsletter, which is criticisms.substack.com. <laughs> I also review new movies at cinemanerdswithaz.com. And we will be back in a few weeks. We haven't discussed what we're talking about yet, but we will figure it out and uh, we'll see you then. <laughs>